This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com I've told you in the past um, Food Shoes Place um, So I've told you in the past What have I told you in the past? Oh, that a story happens on the day that I give shear. So today A little boy came to my office With his parents and he's struggling with tefillah. He doesn't understand what he's saying. He's a fifth grader, sixth grader. He doesn't understand what he's saying. He doesn't like the daven. He has no idea what he's saying. He doesn't like the daven. His parents are struggling. Kid doesn't want to daven. So he said, like, I don't even understand the words. So what's the use of davening? Most people don't understand the words. So what's the use of davening? Shachos menchem ayrev. So I told him there's two kinds of davening. I think it's very important. One is you dying out of a sitter, Shachos Menchemayrev. The other is when you talk to Hashem privately. The edge of your bed, in your car, when you wake up in the morning, you know, Hashem, I love you. The sun's out, like now it's summertime. I don't know if you guys remember the winter. I remember there was winter mornings, it was so cold this winter, it was crazy. Snow, 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 ice, 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 ice. I remember going out my front door and saying, just remember what it's like now because it's going to be 90 degrees. And when it's 90 degrees, you remember how cold it was. And I was like, if I were told that thing when they thought I'm crazy, because it's like, the world will never see 90 degrees again. It was such a bad winter, you figured that you'll never see it again. So, so there's a, there's a discussion between you and Hashem. It's a different kind of tefillah. When you talk and you dive in, oh, I hope I get a good mark on my test. It's sort of talking tefillah. What's the difference? So I try to explain to this kid, he's like, I don't want to dive in, because I don't understand exactly what I'm saying. So I said, imagine, a guy comes to an ATM and he wants to take out money. He wants to take out a couple. He wants to take out a couple hundred dollars. So he goes in front of the ATM and he says, "You are amazing. You are the best ATM in New York. Thank you for being an ATM." He can talk to this ATM all day long, smile, say the most beautiful things. The money ain't coming out. How does the money come out of the ATM? You have your five letters, one Z, X, Z, two. Right? You put in your code, enter your pin, enter your pin. When you enter your pin, out comes the $500. Now, do you understand your pin? Not always. One, two, Z, X, three. Right? Doesn't have, doesn't, it's not something you understand, but it unlocks. The pin unlocks the, the lock that's keeping you, the security lock that's keeping you from getting the money. Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov created the pin to unlock the ATM in Shemayim for Parnassah, for health, for, for Shalom, for everything. That pin, I said to this boy, even if you don't understand what you're saying, you're just punching a number. You're saying, you should understand, it means a lot more. But let's say you don't understand. But the Kedusha that Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov put into Tefillah is a pin that opens up the the scenarios, the, the the pipes in Shemayim. So I said to him, even though you don't understand what you're saying, you need to know that Avram put it into into Shachar, Yitzhak put it into Mincha, and Yaakov put it into Mayriv, and that's Tefillah. Now the other Tefillah, so I'll tell you a story. I've said, I said it many years ago, but I told it to this little kid today, Baruch Hashem, he really loved it. And the story is like this, that there was once a king, no, there was once a little boy, and he was a newspaper boy in the old days. It wasn't where you went to the corner of Avenue J and bought your newspaper. 
They didn't have that. They would deliver the New York Times or whatever it is. It'd be a kid with a basket on the back of his bike and a basket in the front. He'd fill it up with newspapers and he would ride his bicycle and whoever ordered the New York Times, he would take it and he would throw it. it would, they, they were very good, these kids. They would throw it. It would hit the door and land on the floor. But they had to do this like at 4 o'clock in the morning because 4.30 in the morning and they used to get a penny a route. A penny a person. They were happy with that. But they had to go at 4.30 in the morning because people went to work at 6. They were having their coffee for breakfast. They wanted to read the New York Times. So these kids had to get up like 4 o'clock in the morning to do this. Yeah, kids actually used, used to actually work. And in fact, I believe, I don't know if it was Sandy Koufax, but there was a very famous pitcher who said that he learned how to pitch because he was a newspaper boy when he was a little kid. And he was able to throw it from his bike on the run as the bicycle was going. They would hit the door and land right at the doorstep. And he became a big, I forgot who the pitcher was. It was a famous story. He became a big pitcher um, in, in, in pro baseball. So anyway, um, so this kid was a delivery boy. We call him Yanko. Yanko was a delivery boy and he would go through the, the city and he would deliver these newspapers by throwing them. Now, in this city, the city happened to have been the capital city of, um, the capital city of the country. So sitting at 4.30 in the morning in his garden was the king. And every day, this little boy would drive by his, with his bicycle. I was telling you to this kid today. He would drive by with his bicycle. And, of course, he didn't throw the newspaper at the king. He got off his bicycle and he handed the newspaper to the king. And he would say, good morning, sire. I just want you to know that you're the best king. I have the best team in baseball in my public school. My teachers are great. I'm riding my bicycle. The roads you took care of, they're beautiful. I just want to thank you. Have a good day. And the king would say, have a good day, Yanko. Now, Yanko's father was a farmer, was a potato farmer. They were very poor. And Yanko's father used to sell potatoes to the poor people for very, very cheap. At the same time, this king had a prime minister. And this prime minister also had potato farms. And he called Yanko's father and he said, listen, you're killing me. Your prices are so cheap. Everyone's buying from you. No one's buying from me. I'm the prime minister. I'm telling you right now. Either you raise your prices or you're going to see there's going to be a consequence. Of course, Yanko's father would not raise the prices because he would not hurt the poor people. So, one day there's a knock on the door and the police are there and they're, they're, they're arresting Yanko's father. Why? He said, because he is the man behind the rebellion against the king. And they take him to the kingdom's dungeon that nobody ever comes out alive. And they throw him into the dungeon. Yanko's father knew the minister of agriculture. He was a very good friend. And he sent him a message that he's in prison. I need your help. So the minister came to prison. He said, what are you doing here? He said, they threw me in. They said, I'm starting a rebellion. You know I'm a farmer. Go to the king and tell him that's ridiculous. I'm not starting any rebellion. No, no problem. I'll have you out of here in five minutes. He goes to the palace. Of course, sitting in front of the throne room is who? The prime minister. Prime minister says to this minister of agriculture, what are you doing here? He says, oh, I'm here. There's a man, a very close friend of mine. He's in jail. I'm here to get him out. He says, what's his name? He tells him the name. Prime minister says, really, I would love to let you into the king, but right now we're planning a huge war. And for the next three months, nobody can see the king. So the minister said, but I'm a minister. He says, I don't care who you are. Nobody can see the king. 
So the minister goes back to the prison, to the dungeon, and tells Yankel's father, I'm really sorry. I don't know what's going on. There seems to be a war coming. I can't help you. Okay, don't worry. I'm very close to the lawyer, the best, the best lawyer in the country, who's the lawyer of the king, who plays golf with the king. So he calls him and he says, listen, they put me in prison. I don't know who did this. This is crazy. I'm not a rebel. Go to the king. Get me out of here. The lawyer says, shh, I'm playing golf with him tomorrow. You know, I'll go to the king. He goes to the king. Prime Minister is sitting there. Who are you here to see? The king. Why? Da-da-da. He says, I'm playing golf with him tomorrow. He goes, no, you're not. We just decided there's a war. And we're preparing for this war. And therefore, nobody can see the king. The lawyer comes back. Tells the father, uh, can't help you. They're going to war and then no one can see the king. The father realizes he's a dead man. They're not going to feed him there. He doesn't have much to live. Meanwhile, Yaakov gets up in the morning. His father was taken away by the... So when he comes past the king, he gives the king his newspaper. But instead of saying, I love you, you're the best, your school, my team, the sun, the pavement. He just gives him the paper and says, have a good day. And the king says, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh. What's going on? Manashtana. Every day, this kid is happy and jumping around. And today, he's like, here's your paper. Have a good day. So the king says to him, what's going on in your life that you're, uh, that you're acting like this? No, no, I don't want to bother you. I know that you sit here in the morning. Because the king would sit there every morning at 4.30 not to be bothered. Because the whole day people bothered him. But at 4.30, there was no one around except this kid. So he says, I don't, really, I don't want to bother you. Um, I know that this is your, your, your private time. The king says, no, you don't understand. The only person I look forward to meeting every day is you. Because every other person comes to me, I need a house, I need this, it's a court case, this, that, the other thing, I need, I need, I need. He says, you come every day and all you do is say nice things. You never ask me for anything. So if you're not happy, I'm not happy. So kid, what's going on? Well, if the king needs to know, my father was arrested what? Your father was arrested? What are you talking about? Yeah, they said he's rebelling against the king. My father loves you, king. He would never rebel against you. I don't know who made this up. King says, let's go. Right now, we're going to go to the prison and get him out. King goes to the prison. King was never in the prison. It's the first time he ever came to the prison. He comes to the prison, and everyone's talking. The king is here. The king is here. And they take the father out. So now the father is out. He's free. So you have to make a suit say no. If you go to jail... And you're imprisoned, and then you get out. You have to make a suit of You have to show your thanks. So he calls him, makes a huge suit of First guy to come to the party, the thanking party for Hashem for doing this, is the minister of agriculture. He walks in, and he says to the father, you know, we need to talk. Is there a minister? I couldn't get past the prime minister. I couldn't get to the king. Who do you know... That's greater than me. I mean, you got to give me the inside scoop. Who was willing, the king was willing to see him, but he wasn't willing to see me. Who is a great, is there, is there something I should know? He says, you know, you're not going to believe what I'm going to tell you, but you see the little boy sitting over there in the corner eating chocolate ice cream and it's all over his shirt? My little son, my little boy, he's the one that told the king. The minister's like, are you kidding me? I couldn't get in, and your son got in, so you don't want to tell me? You want to hide who this guy is? So hide it. But I'm telling you right now, we're done. And the father's like, 
I promise you, it's my little nine-year-old. Doesn't believe me. Next guy walks in, the lawyer. Lawyer's like, who's a bigger lawyer than me? Who's a bigger lawyer than me? Who got to the king? I was supposed to play golf with him. Who got to the king? He says, oh, here we go again. He says, you see that little boy in the corner? Now pretty much all the ice cream melted all over his shirt. That's my son, my nine-year-old son. He got to the king. Yeah? So there's another lawyer, huh? You don't want to give me the information. So he also flips out. So everybody who's walking into the room is asking him who got to the king. And he's telling everyone, my son. And they're all, they're all telling him, you don't want to give away your inside information. All of a sudden, the king walks in. And the king makes a beeline to this little boy who's sitting in the corner full of ice cream. And he picks him up and he goes, Yanko! And he hugs him and he kisses him. And everyone's like, Ah, oh, wow. Like, what a relationship. Like, maybe his father's telling the truth. And the king says, I just came um, to join in this party because I want to tell you that this little boy is the sunshine of my day. Every day at 4.30, he comes to the garden of the palace. He has never, ever asked me for anything. Not for a bicycle, not for money, not for anything at all. He never asks for anything. And the day he came, and he was all upset, it bothered me so that I needed to know what was making him upset. And that's why his father is out. And everyone understood that it was a true story. That that what the minister could not do, what the lawyer could not do, this little boy could do. It's a fantastic muscle. It's a very important muscle for all of us. Hashem sits in the morning with seeking a whole day. Everyone's Hashem, I need this, Hashem, I need that. I need a shidduch, I need money. I need this and I need that. And why this and why that? And I can't believe you did this and I can't believe you do that. But in the morning, the first thing when you wake up, if you say Moda Ani Lefanecha with Kavana, where you didn't even wash your hands, you're dirty, you didn't go to the bathroom, you didn't wash your hands, maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't even find your yarmulke. Modani lefanecha, thank you. Modani, I admit, lefanecha before you, I thank before you. that you gave me back my soul. Bechemla with love, Rabbi Munasecha. Many are your believers. Is there any requests in that, my Modani? You asking for anything? Nothing. We thank Hashem for giving you back your neshama. You don't ask him for health. You don't ask him for food. You don't ask him for anything. All you do is when you wake up, you're the newspaper boy. Thank you, Hashem, for giving me potential. Thank you, Hashem, for giving me life. Today, who knows what I'm going to be able to do? Goodbye. I'm not, I don't, I'm not asking you for anything. And that's it. I'm going to the bathroom. I'm washing my hands. Have a good day. And the reason you don't have to wash your hands, everything else you have to wash your hands first. Go to the bathroom first, right? Is that the first thing a person should do when they wake up is tell the king, thank you for your world, thank you for the paved roads, thank you for my car, thank you for everything. So so what happens if you really get up? This is like a big secret. Because the Satan is the prime minister. And it's brought down in the Svarim that since the destruction of the base of Megdash, there's a wall of steel, barzel, of metal, that separates us from Hashem, and our tefillahs have a hard time going through. So the prime minister sits there, and he, the, the satan, and he tries to make sure that Attilas don't go through. But there's a way around it. Even though the lawyer and the minister couldn't get past the prime minister, 
this little boy did because he went every single day to the king with a happy simcha and he said thank you so a person who gets up in the morning and says with kavana thank you Hashem I love you have a good day I don't want nothing have a good day that person the day that he he lost a job or something went wrong in his family or someone's not well and he gets up in the morning and that one, he can't say Modani like that. He's like, Modani lefanecha melacha v'kayim shekazad demish v'zib chalor rabam v'zacha. Hashem's like, uh uh uh, what's going on with Yaakov? Every day he's Modani lefanecha thank you Hashem. Today something's wrong. Malachim. I look forward to him every morning. He doesn't ask me for anything. He's happy. He just thanks me. His tefillah I'm looking for every morning. Let's go down and find out what's going on. And of course, when the neshama says. Well, I'm in pain because I was a shidduch or whatever it was. It didn't work. Hashem's like, let's go, let's go and, and make sure that we fix this so that tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning, Bezrat Hashem, he's going to be happy again because that's what I want. It's a very big secret in tefillah. So, so, so sometimes to go to a Gadol Adar, you go to a Gadol Adar and you need him to daven for you, but that wall, is, the prime minister is like, well, he doesn't deserve it, he does that, right? But a person who every single morning, like this little boy, and he's excited he stands by his door before he goes to work he says Hashem put my hand up on the mezuzah or then I do my five senses check every morning my hand on the mezuzah before I walk out I'm like thank you Hashem that I can smell right now when you do that smell thing it smells amazing there's lilacs because she was outside my house it's like thank you Hashem I can smell wow that's amazing smell is amazing because it, it's not there you don't see it it exists, but you don't see it, right? Order exists, but you don't see it. So it's like, wow, Hashem, you took these flowers, right? Well, I'll tell you what I do. So anyway, so that's my first thing is, thank you, Hashem, that I can smell. Thank you, Hashem, when I feel the mezuzah, that, Baruch Hashem, I have feelings in my fingers, and I can feel that, that the mezuzah is cold, and I can feel that the mezuzah is metal. Thank you, Hashem, that I can feel. Thank you, Hashem, that I can smell. Thank you, Hashem that I just had a good glass of seltzer with lemon in it. Thank you, Hashem, that I could taste. My daughter right now has very bad rose fever. So she has no appetite. I brought her supper tonight. She loves sesame chicken. She has no appetite. If you can't smell, you can't taste, you don't have an appetite. Even though your stomach's hungry, you don't want to eat. So thank you, Hashem, that I could smell. Because also, if you ever have a very stuffed nose, you also have no appetite. Because you smell the food. Thank Hashem I could smell. Thank Hashem I could feel. Thank Hashem I could taste. That was a great seltzer that I had this morning, or a coffee. Right? Thank you Hashem that I can hear. So I stand by the door until I hear a bird. Not trucks, not cars. I stand by my mezuzah, even in the winter, and I'm like, I'm waiting to hear a bird. It takes a second. A bird. Baruch Hashem I can hear a bird. And then the last thing is I open my eyes because that's like the biggest. That's the biggest. Thank you, Hashem, that I could see. And then I go like this. Thank you, Hashem, I can move my hands and I can move my feet. Thank you, Hashem, for all this. And I walk out the door. And then I go down the steps and I have these little mint plants that are growing. And I take one leaf and I crush it and I make a bayre ispevisamem. So. I don't ask him for nothing. I thank him for everything. Ask for nothing and thank for everything. That's a relationship. Some people 
ask for everything and thank for nothing. That's not a relationship. So, I told this little boy this story. And I said, what you don't understand in davening is the key to the ATM. It's the password. But you do understand how to say thank you to Hashem. And that's what you need to do. And I spoke to Shabbos. There's a new organization called the Keraf Tunnel. It's an organization for Hasidim. And specifically, it's created the same way as Project Inspire. They're here to inspire Hasidim. So they had like 15 speakers. And you go out to these different rooms and whatever it was. You go to different rooms and you have seven different speakers. I brought Hashem had Friday night the keynote speech. I learned something about Hasidim. Do you know what time I started speaking? He could tell you. Two o'clock. I finished at 3.10. Because they dotted very late. And they eat very slow. And there's a lot of zmiros. And nobody's in a rush. So they had a breakout session before me. Right at one o'clock. Where they went to all these shiurim. And at two o'clock I was the keynote speaker. Till 3.10 and nobody moved. And the next night till four o'clock. It was, it was the most amazing Shabbos. But what happened Matzah Shabbos was like this. We had like ten speakers. So they asked every speaker to get up and speak for three minutes and give chizuk three minutes. What did they feel they got from the Shabbos? Now, you know guys know me. I can't even say my name in three minutes. And they're asking me to give a message in three minutes. So, I found out tonight that it's all over the internet, but I want to tell you the message Anytime. I want to tell you the message that I gave in three minutes. It didn't take three minutes. It actually took two minutes. It actually took two minutes. And I told the following story, which is a true story. So I like to go to little kids and talk to them like, who does your mother love the most? You know? I do that. And the kid's like, Ruchi. I'm like, is your name Ruchi? No. Ah, your mother loves your sister the most. Her name's Ruchi. No. You know, they always have faces when they talk. No. I'm like, who's Ruchi? Your grandmother? That's, that's his mother's mother. No. So who's Ruchi? That's my mother's friend. Your mother loves her friend more than you? Yes. How do you know? She's always talking to her on the phone. Hello, Mrs. So-and-so. I just met your daughter. She thinks you love Ruchi more than you. You need to have a little talk with her. So I do that. I go to the kindergarten and I play with their brains and first grade. So, because they're, they're, they're not polluted. They say it the way it is, which is sometimes no good. There's a kid in the class with a hearing aid. They're like, you look funny. You know, we think things, but we don't say it. Little kids say it the way it is. You look funny. You know, or the kid's not, is a colored kid, whatever. Why are you different color than me? And I'm like, Hello? But they're kids. They, they, it's they're, people think they're brutally evil. They're not. They're just straight. So they don't have that. They don't have the filter yet. You get the filter when you're much older. So first grade, I'm in first grade, and I um, go to the first kid. Now in our school, so it's, these are kids who are not religious. We Karanites yeshiva. The kids, I did this many years ago. So I go to the first grade. And I'm like, go to the first kid. And I'm like, Avner. They're all Israelis. Uh, you know, different whatever. Avner, tell me, tell me. 
with Hashem. With Hashem. So the little kid goes, Hashem? Hashem is there. I'm like, very good. Next kid. With Hashem. Hashem is there. Very good. Next kid knew the song. I said, with Hashem. Hashem is there, Hashem is there, Hashem is everywhere. Up, down, all around, right, left, right. You know the song? Okay. So I'm like, wow, this kid's even better, right? He's like, Hashem is there, Hashem is there, Hashem is there, Hashem is there. Hashem is everywhere. Beautiful. Okay. The last kid in the class, his name is Pinchas. We'll call him Pinny. His shirt is always out. He always doesn't bring his homework. He's a little slow. And he's always in the office or wandering the halls. He's the kid in the class that's a little... So he's last. He's sitting in the corner, that corner. I'm like, Penny, where's Hashem? He looks at me like he's thinking, Hashem? Hashem is here. I said, where's Hashem? Hashem is here. Now every kid said there. He's saying here. I said, Penny, that's huge. That's huge for a first grader. I'm like, Penny, who told you that? Nobody. So how do you know Hashem is here? And he looks at me with these little eyes and he goes, because I feel him. I said, you feel Hashem? Yes, I feel him. He's here. Now this is the, the kid in the class that everyone makes fun of. I'm like, wow! I picked him up. I'm like, that's amazing! So I got up at the Shabbaton, Matzah Shabbos, and I said, before you came for Shabbos, Hashem was there. There, 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 there. But really, what this little boy said is the most important. Because if Hashem is only there, 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 and there, but He's not here, then He's nowhere. You have to take Hashem is everywhere and up there and bring Him inside to you. Because if you don't bring Him inside to you, then it's just an outward force. The moon is there too, and the sun is there too, and the stars are there too. And the sky is there too, and the clouds are there too. And the north is there, and the south is there. The objective of, of, of what it's all about is to take Hashem from everywhere and put Him here. little kid taught me that. A little guy, first grade, taught me that Hashem is here. Everywhere doesn't help you. You got to take him and you got to bring him in. Okay. So a story that I heard um, on the Shabbos from someone told me a Nebuchadnezzar story. Beautiful story. That I never said before because I just heard it at the Shabbos. One of the Chassidim told me, I have to tell you a story. He told me the following story. He told me it's a true story. He said that in Europe um, there was a, a man and they were pretty poor. And one day he decided to buy, he didn't decide, he had to. He bought his son a brand new pair of boots. Brand new pair of boots. And his son came home the next day and he doesn't have the boots. The father says, what did you do with the boots? He said, there's a boy in my class who has nothing. And he doesn't have a tati, he doesn't have a father. And he doesn't even have shoes. 
I have shoes. So I figured I'll give him my boots. So the father didn't know what to do. Let's scream at him. You gave away your boots. At the same time, he didn't want to teach him not to share. Okay. You gave your boots away. All right, you'll have shoes. Whatever. It's getting a little colder in the winter. So he buys his son a new, a new, a new, um, what's it called? A new coat. Kid comes home without a coat. It's a true story. Father says, where's the coat? He says, you know that boy I told you? He doesn't even have a sweater or tati. I have an old coat. He has nothing. He's freezing. I gave him my coat. So the father's like, oh, okay. Um, I don't think I'm going to be buying you anything in the, in the, in the near future. One day this kid comes home, this son that gave away everything, and he tells his father that, um, this little boy has nowhere to sleep. It seems to be either his mother died or she ended up going away, but this kid had nowhere to sleep. So he asked his father, is it okay if he comes home tonight to sleep? And his father said, listen, it's enough. You gave away your boots. You gave away your coat. I can't, your sister, I can't have anyone else come. We don't have room. We don't have room as it is. Kids are all over the floor. There comes a point, he explained to him, as I said, but there comes a point where you can't do it anymore. You cannot bring him home. He'll have to find a different place. It's a true story. The kid did not come home from Cheder. Did not come home from Cheder. They found, he found his son sleeping with this boy in Shul. So he wakes up his son and he says to him, we know the whole town is looking for you. Why were you in the Ezra Snashim, in the women's section? Why are you sleeping here? He says, because my friend had nowhere to sleep because you didn't have room and I didn't want him to sleep alone. So his father said, okay, we'll take him home. That was the story in Europe. The poor boy that got the boots and everything else ended up in America. This is a true story. He ended up in America. The kid who had the boots who gave it away ended up in Eretz Yisrael. Ended up in Eretz Yisrael. The American boy became very rich. But they didn't know of each other. I mean, that was it. They were in Europe and Cheder and that was it, whatever it is. And the, his, the other boy who went to Israel was a poor guy. His kids were learning, you know. He was learning. He was in, in Kailo, whatever it was. He didn't have any money for nothing. For him. One day, the rich guy shows up where this guy's learning. That was his little friend. And he calls him outside into the hall and he says, you know who I am? And he says, No. He says, but I know who you are. Do you remember in Cheder, I didn't have boots, and I didn't have a coat, and I didn't have a place to sleep, and you bought me boots and a coat and a place to sleep? He goes, oh my gosh, it's you, Yanko. He starts hugging him. How are you? I heard you went to America. How's it going? Whatever it is. And they're hugging and kissing and talking about yeshiva, whatever it is. And he turns around to the, the rich guy from America who didn't have shoes, turns around to the Israeli Kyle, younger man, or whatever, not younger man anymore, and says to him, you know, I've been following a little bit about you, and I know that you don't have money. And I know that you have nine kids. He says, I put away money for every one of your kids. That when they get married, you're going to buy a house for every single, you're going to buy an apartment, because that's what they do in Israel. He said, I have money for every single one of your kids. 
so that they will they will have an apartment of their own and they will not have to sleep in a shul like I did but I will never forget that that night you did not leave me alone he says and for every wedding I am paying for all the clothing because you gave me your boots and your coat he says he said this guy told me this he was an older Hasidic guy he says I know the Kailo guy this rich American took care of every one of his children's weddings paid for every wedding and got them a, a dira and paid for the dira what a crazy story chesed chesed to he gave him his boots and he gave him his coat and his father thought oh my gosh look what look what he's giving away I bought him new boots meanwhile that's the grandfather of the kids that this guy right who he didn't want to give the boots to ended up supporting he bought every single one of them an apartment the grandfather who thought he can't sleep in our house you know don't give away your boots in the end look what this guy ended up doing for his friend <laughs> what goes around comes around Especially with Chesed. I was like, a wonderful story. Okay. Um, so another interesting story that I heard on one of the speakers that um, this is really good. This is really good because this is so true. So he said like this. He said, you have a coffee machine. The Chesedish shuls have a coffee machine right outside the mikvah. You know the mikvah? Oh, yeah, they do. They all have machines. What? What? And it's still here also. Here also a lot. Like I go to Satmar in, 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 in Muncie, they have the sort of coffee and, and espresso and, 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 and cappuccinos and hot chocolates and, right, so he says, he said a very cute story. He says, so this Chassisha guy comes out of the mikvah, the Chassisha guy was saying the story. Comes out of the mikvah and he's by the coffee machine. So he's looking at the coffee machine, he has all these choices. So, uh, cappuccino. Cappuccino, thing goes two dollars. Cappuccino. Uh, with cinnamon, without cinnamon, with cinnamon. 25 cents. Hot milk, hot milk. 25 cents. Right? So he's at 250, whatever. A uh, lot of sugar, extra sugar. Another 25 cents. He's getting all excited because you see it, you know, you, 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 the machine makes all these noises. It, it doesn't, until you decide what you want, it doesn't come out yet, right? It just, all these different things, all these cinnamon, all these different things. So the machine's like, eh, eh. I don't know if you have any sort of these machines. Make all these noises, whatever it is. Extra milk, foam milk, right? Whatever it is. Okay. Finally, the last question it asks, Small, medium, large, or extra large? He's thinking to himself, cappuccino with cinnamon, with sugar, with hot milk, with foam, with all this. Now he's unbelievable, he's already tasting it, it's already going in his throat, he's ready, you know, it's ready there, right? And the machine's making all these wacky noises. He's like, it's 550 for extra large. 550, it's a lot of money, right? But he says, you know what? I'm splurging. Extra large. And he stands there, and all of a sudden, the coffee starts coming out. He's like, oh my God, where's the cup? Right? And he ordered the cup. No, no cup came down. And the chassisha guy is standing next to him says, no cup? There's no cup. You have to take one of the, you have to take one of the cups that are on the thing. Small, medium, large, extra large. He goes, and the coffee's just pouring out. Because he's standing there waiting for the cup to come down. The cup didn't come down. And the stuff's pouring out. It's happened to me right in these vending machines, soda machines, that the cup didn't come down. And the soda just, you just lose the soda, right? So, so he says, where are the cups? She goes, oh, we're out of them. And he just watched the coffee. He says, what, what's, what's the story? He says, that people in life, but they don't have the Kaylee for it. In other words, they want this, and they want this, and they want this, and we do this, and we do that, and we do that. 
They don't, what, what he's trying to say is they don't have the cup. They have everything else, but they don't have the cup. And without the cup, cup in Yiddish means your, your head. Without the cup, without using your brain, without using your head, all the stuff goes pouring out. It's called das. You know what das is? He said a very good example. What's das? Das is like this. He says, the guy goes to the doctor. The guy goes to the nutritionist. His sugar's no good. His cholesterol's no good. Nothing's good. So he goes to, he goes to the doctor. And he says to the doctor, so, um, nutritionist, you know, um, so tell me, what do I, uh, what do I do? The nutritionist says, listen, protein, 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 protein. Meat, eat, eat as much meat as you can. Meat, a lot of meat, fatty meat, any meat, whatever you want. And a lot of wine. If you eat a lot of meat and you drink a lot of wine, you're going to be unbelievable. But stay away from chocolate and stay away from potato chips. It's very bad for you. Now, this guy loved chocolate and potato chips, like me. And he's like, I think this is the wrong nutritionist. This is not, this is not the nutritionist I want because, hello, what I want, I like potato chips and chocolate. So you know what? I'm going to get a second opinion. Nutritionist second opinion. So here's there's another nutritionist on the other side of town. So he goes to the other side of town. And he says to the nutritionist, listen, I'm, I'm not doing well. My bloods are not good. Um, what do I do? The nutritionist says, listen, meat, meat and wine, like the worst thing you could eat. You have cholesterol. Meat's going to be terrible. The alcohol from the wine is very, very bad for your, for your sugar because alcohol turns right away into sugar. So you got to stay away from meat and wine. Potato chips. Chocolate, chocolate they say is very healthy, you know, dark chocolate. Potato chips every once in a while, potatoes, it's a vegetable. Potato chips and chocolate, that would be good for you, but not when you got to stay away from meat and wine. He comes home, this is such a funny story, but it's, it's cool when you don't use your brains, when you don't use your cup. He comes home, his wife says, no! So, uh, so, you know, what did you, what do you, uh, what did you get from the nutritionist? He says, well, I went to two nutritionists, and one said that meat and wine is good for me, and the other one said that potato chips and chocolate is good for me. So, I guess if you put them together, I could have meat, wine, chocolate, and potato chips. He took from both of them what they said was good for him, instead of what's not good for him. So, if he would have taken the two that are not good for him, so he would have said... Meat and wine is not good for me, and potato chips and chocolate is not good for me. I got cholesterol and sugar. It's all not good for me. But what he did, he didn't take the ones that he said is not good for him. He picked the two, the four that they said. So he took the two good things. He says, that's a person that doesn't have das. In other words, he's going to kill himself. He's taking all the bads. This guy said this is good. This guy said this is good. But each guy said this is bad. So instead of taking that, they both took, he took the two, you know, what they said was good for him, which is not good for him. None of it, because the other doctor said it's not good for you. So instead of saying that both doctors, between the two doctors, I can't eat any of this stuff, between the two doctors, I can only eat this stuff. And of course, he didn't live very long after that. So there, so there has to be a cup. The joke is cup means a, a cup, in English means a cup is a brain. That, that you gotta, yes, all the good stuff's coming out of the, out of the machine, the, 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 the milk and the sugar and the cinnamon and the cappuccino and all that, but if you don't have a cup, if you don't use your brains, you don't have a Kaylee, then all that stuff's just gonna be wasted. I thought it was a very cute story. Maybe you don't, but I thought it was a very good story. Okay. What? It's very true. It's a very true story. What? It's 
cute. What do you mean it's cute? You said it's a cute story. It's cute. <laughs> it's a cute story, but it has a big meaning to it. Yeah. It has a big meaning to it. Okay. Let's, um, we got a couple of minutes. Let's talk about Dabar HaMelech. Because Dabar HaMelech was born on Shavuos. So we're going to go to Megillah Rus. Very fascinating. The power, the power of a bracha. The power of a bracha. Okay, first of all, this Rus is very much a proof to my theory of spiritual DNA in many, many, many different ways. But when we talk about Rus, what did she tell? What did she tell her mother? Her mother-in-law. She said the following. Don't try to get me to leave you. Where you go, I go. Where you sleep, I sleep. Ami, your nation is my nation. And my God, and your God is my God. Now, what did she say first? My God is, your God is my God or your nation is my nation? She said, first, my, your nation is my nation. Okay, just remember that. She told Naomi, your nation is my nation, and your God is my God. Okay, all right. Now, let's go to the end, where she marries Boaz. And what does Clay Israel say? Now, they, they got married, and all the people that are in the gate said, Vazkenim, Edim, and the elders were witnesses. Yitin Hashem, Isha Haba Hashem should give you this woman who's coming to your house. Kirachal, Hukaleya. Like Rachel, Aleya, Ashabanu, Shtem, as Beis Yisrael, they built the 12 Shvatim. Vasechayo, Be'afrasak, Hashem, Be'as Lechem. So, the Bracha that Klai Yisrael gave, Boaz and Rus is that their house should be the house of Rachel and Leah. What happens? So, David Amela's father, if the, how cup? This is really good for Shavuos night. David Amela's father was who? He was Yishai. Yishai never did Gemara says Yishai never did an Avera. He only died. Yishai only died because in, well, was one man never hold that Yishai went up alive actually to the other world. But if he died, the only reason he died was. Because of the Nachash, because of the Avera. He never did an Avera. He was, Dovah father was a very big tzaddik. The problem was, that in the times of Yishai, the Jews still were arguing, if you're allowed to marry a woman from Moab. So after he had his seven children, the Jewish people came to Yishai and said, listen, you're a very big tzaddik, but it's possible that all your children are illegal, immoral, illegal. They're, they're, because where did Yishai come from? She came from Rus was a Moabi who married Boaz. So it could be that your whole generation tree is not, is, is going to end up, the rabbis are going to pass me that you can't marry a Moabia and all your kids are going to be apostle. But there is a way to make your child kosher. The next child that you're going to have kosher. <coughs> if you marry your shifcha, you marry your maidservant. And your maidservant becomes Jewish. Okay? Then if she becomes Jewish, her children are regular Jews, are gayrim, right? No, her children are not gayrim, she's a ger. The shifcha is nishachre, the children are Jewish, and that way, that child will be a kosher child, not like all your other children. So Yishai agreed, just in case they find out later on, they say that Moabi, you're not allowed to marry, at least I'll have one legal child. 
He agreed. The problem was, that, not a problem, but Yishai's wife, who the big tzaddik, just said, my husband is going to sleep with a shifcha? Yishai? With a shifcha? No. So she went to the shifcha, the Medrash Rabbi Ruth says, that she went to the shifcha, the maidservant, and she paid her a large sum of money, and she said, instead of you sleeping with Yishai, I'm going to get dressed up like you, right? Make believe that I'm you, and I'm going to sleep with Yishai, because she's the real wife. And the shifcha agreed. What happened was, that Yishai's wife became pregnant. Now this was a big problem, because Yishai thought he was with his shifcha. Yishai's wife was separated, which means that while she was separated, not divorced, she was an Aishas Ish, she became pregnant from someone else in Yishai, which makes David a mamzer, a bastard. And on top of that, what did Hashem do? All the other kids were dark hair and tall. David Amalek was a redhead with blue eyes and shorts. So all the brothers said, oh, for sure there was another man. Well, our father doesn't make such kids. Our father makes dark kids. This kid is a redhead. So for sure, he's not one of us. He's a mamzer. He can't be a Jew. And they were very ashamed that, the, that no one in Clydesville should know that they have a brother, the biggest disgrace is a mamzer, that they have a brother and mamzer. So they took him as a young boy and they made him the shepherd of the sheep in Beis Lechem, in the desert. And to all the people in Beis Lechem, this little redhead was known as the mamzer of Beis Lechem. And any time something was stolen in Beis Lechem, they said the mamzer from Beis Lechem, which was David, came out of the desert and stole from them. And it says that David HaMelech didn't want to start up with them, so whenever they said that, that he stole the sheep, he would pay them back, even though he didn't do it. That's who David HaMelech was. How long was this until he came Very, a long time. A long time. He was a little boy. I mean, when he showed up by Goliath,
Okay, so we'll continue. So, so he said, listen carefully to what he said, because that's what makes a melech. He didn't only say, he didn't only say that he killed the bear and the lion. He said, I saved the lamb. In other words, okay, one lamb, big deal. You get attacked by a lion and a bear and he eats one lamb. You did well. Uh-uh, not a melech. A melech, every Jew, is very important. You can't lose one lamb. So he said, I went, my my next campaign to raise money, this is what I'm going to say. Not good enough to fight the HR in the streets or not, but to go out there and fight the HR and say, you have to save the lamb. You can't lose one lamb. So David Amalek said to Shaul, I'll tell you who I am. He said, and they took the seh. He said, I went after them. He salty me piv. I took the lamb out of his mouth. So he attacked me. I, 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 I took him by his, um, I, what's it called? I, t- I took him by his beard, the lion, by his mane, by his mane, right? Um, and I killed him. I hit him. They meet him and I killed him. I, I killed them both. I killed a lion. You imagine what he killed? A lion and a bear. That's pretty heavy stuff. And he saved the lamb. He says, so that, he says, well, yeah, plishti, aro, hazel, this, this plishti, this aro, ka'achar mehem, I'll take care of them like I took, like I took care of these animals, right? No, Hashem, he didn't take any credit. I'm strong, I know how to fight. He said, Hashem who saved me from the lion and the doe, he will save me from this plishti. <coughs> when Shaul heard that David Melech wasn't talking about that I could fight him, because he knew David Melech couldn't fight him, David Melech was a kid. But when Shaul heard that, that David Melech was connected to Hashem, and he said, with Hashem I will beat him, all of a sudden he changed his lushan. Because you are a nar, you are a kid. But when you're connected to Hashem, right, it's like the stick in the hand. It's just a stick. A stick in a little kid's hand, you're not going to hit the ball very far. Put a stick in a baseball player's hand, you can hit the ball over the fence. So the minute Shoal heard, it's very, very important. The minute Shoal heard that David Melech said that I'm not going to fight him, I'm going with Hashem, he was no longer a nar. He was a power of Hashem. So he said, oh, go by Hashem Yeimach, Hashem should be with you. Okay? So he put on his sword and he put on his, his, all his mail and his, all his uh, stuff, but he he took it off right away because the manager says that Shaul was huge, he was very tall, and David was very short, and when he put on Shaul's armor, the armor shrunk to fit David. And he saw that Shaul's face changed. That Shaul realized that he was going to have to give the kingdom over to this kid. Because his, when his armor t- fit David and shrunk, and David picked it up, he saw that Shaul was looking at him different, so he told Shaul, it's too heavy, I can't fight in this. I'm not used to this. That's what he told. I can't go with this stuff. He learned to see him because I'm, I'm not comfortable. I'm not accustomed to this. So he took it off. Because he saw, like, like Paro with, with Moshe Rabbeinu, he saw that this guy, this guy wants to be kicked. Look, it fit him. 
he took five stones and he came to the Pishti, Pishti, and the Pishti he looked at him, and Vayiras David he looked at David and he by you say he embarrassed him. He because he was a little boy Radmoni. He was a redhead in your and it was pretty. You think I was born from the dog? That my mother slept, Arpa slept with the night she she left the army? And the and the Plishti cursed David in the name of his God. And he said, Come here, and I'm going to give your 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 very famous Rashi, very famous shot here. The Plishti said to David, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to give you a meat, your body, to the birds in the sky, and the behemoths in the Sada. The minute David Amalek heard that, he knew that he was going to win. Because behemoths don't eat meat. Behemoths are cows. And lambs are, are domesticated animals. When he heard from the Plishti, who said, who said a Nebuah, that I'm going to kill you, and then the birds and the domestic animals will eat from you, Don Amalek said, domestic animals don't eat meat, so your Nebuah isn't true. And at that point, the, the, the Chazal say, he knew that he was going to win. But you came to me with a cherev. This is very important. You came to me with a cherev and a chanis and a kidon, a sword, a spear. What's the other thing? Uh, a javelin, right? But I will come to you with the name of Hashem. And then he said, This is the God of Israel which you have taunted. And he killed them. And he killed them with the five stones. What happened by Rus? What did Rus say? Rus put into her DNA, your God is my God, your nation is my nation. When David faced his greatest enemy, Goliath, he put the two together. He said, I am coming b'shem Hashem, elokei Yisrael. That came from his great-grandmother. Your God is my God, your nation is my nation. So when David HaMelech met Goliath, that's what he said. I am coming with God for my nation. It came all the way from Rus. And there's a fantastic medrash, and we'll end with this. Fantastic medrash. And it fits very well because tomorrow morning I have a bris here. My Hashem had a nephew, Moshe Katz, my, my brother-in-law had a, had a grandson. So tomorrow morning is a bris here at 8 o'clock. Perfect ending. Listen to this. A crazy medrash. The medrash says that he had five stones. Very smooth stones. In the Machlechus, he said that one stone was, three stones was Hashem, one stone was Aaron, one stone was Moshe, another one says it was Abraham, Yisrael, Yaakov, Moshe. He gave each stone a name, but that's not, that's not the point. He had a problem. And the problem is that the Navi says that Goliath had a helmet he had a helmet, he was wearing a helmet, one of those helmets like the Vikings had, where it was covered, his forehead was covered with metal, and there was those side things, and the metal thing in the middle, all he, could, all he had was his eyes. Now, David Melech knew that he, he knew how to use a slingshot, but you, you can't go through metal, stone doesn't go through metal. It's a Medjish Rabbi, you can look this up, it's no dick. He says that, that David Melech Davin, that's what he said, he said, I am making a deal with metal. Here's the deal. I'm going to shoot these stones. Metal. If you 
go against your teva and open up and become soft and allow my stones to go through his forehead I will have a karsatov to you forever and I promise you in the until that day all bris milos were done with a sharp stone we see in the Torah by merit by by uh, Moshe Rabbeinu right what was the stone called you know you know what the stone was called very sharp flint stone it was like like a, like a, a flint uh, arrowhead so it was a very sharp stone that's how they used to cut a bris milo they didn't use metal right um, if you look in Pashish where 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 Shmos I'll tell you in a minute it's called I always do this by heart I'm losing my mind hold on he leaves Uh, 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 uh. Oh, here. Where is he almost die? What is it called? What is it called? What is it called? Where is it that she saves his life? What? Right, so here. Midian, Yikas Moshe's Ishtar is Barnav. Ah. Tsar, Tsar, it's called a Tsar. Tzadik Resh. Vatikak Tsipor, it's Tsar. Tsar, says Rashi. Doesn't say Rashi. But it's Tsar with a flint rock, a very sharp rock. So they used to use a Tsar. Vayitikwa says, Allah has been with the Tsar. So Dabra Melech said to the metal, if you let my stones go through you, listen to this, this is unbelievable. So the stones, the stones, because they're now having the ability to kill this Russia, the stones have to have a curse of to the metal. The metal let them through. So the stone has to have a curse of How could the stone show a curse of to the metal? That from now on, a brismila, no more will ever be used as stone, but will be used metal. He shot it, then it says the metal opened up, boom, went into his forehead, and killed him. So you see how Karasatov, that a stone had to have a Karasatov for metal, and give up its power to do Brismila, which is a big thing, so that from now on we use that metal knife, that it should be used by metal. That's the deepness, and how important Karasatov is. So, may we all be Zaycha to deliver the newspaper every single morning to Akash Baruch Hu and to thank him and Bezrat Hashem that the Prime Minister the, the Satan who keeps all our tulips from getting to the right place Shataka be out of business and we should be able to learn next week about it Shavuos night coming that we should come to Hashem who's Malchus I spoke a lot about this on Shabbos that we should come to Hashem Malchus Malchus which means that if you want to marry the king the king is Malchus then you have to be royalty. You have to be a queen. So our job, we have a few days left, is that when we when we stand before our Kodesh Baruch Hu, we should talk about Malchus. Malchus is based on is Hakar Satov, his appreciation. Malchus is what this little boy did. He gave away his gave away his shoes. He gave away his jacket. He gave away everything. When you should be zeichet to see Malchus, be Malchus, Kabbalah Satayra with Mashiach, which comes from David Amelach, from Harvey Amenu Amen. I did not have my.
You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.